My 11-year-old granddaughter, Adrian, told me she went to see 42 with her girlfriends and loved the movie. She was so inspired by the story of Jackie Robinson that she's decided to become a big league ball player. Her response to the movie reminded me that in 1951, just four seasons after Robinson integrated Major League Baseball, Little League officials issued a formal ban preventing girls like Adrian from playing on Little League teams. In 1951, boys and girls practiced duck and cover drills together, watched creature features and searched the skies for mushroom clouds together, but Little League teams were segregated by a charter which stated that the purpose of the Little League was to instill in boys the values of citizenship, sportsmanship, and manhood. A year earlier, Katherine Johnston, an avid Yankees fan living in Corning, New York, decided she wanted to play Little League Baseball. After her mother cut her braids, she tucked her remaining hair into her ball cap and, posing as a boy, tried out for her brother's Little League team. Catherine, who told her coach that her name was Tubby, she took the name from a character in the Little Lulu comic strip, was bigger than most of the boys and easily made the team. After a few weeks, Tubby finally told her coach that she was a girl, but he allowed her to remain on the team. What Catherine didn't tell her coach was that she was big for her age because she was actually 14, not 12 years old. Before the beginning of the 1951 season, officials, aware that Catherine Johnston had managed to cross the Little League's gender line, formally banned girls from playing Little League baseball. Because of Catherine's notoriety in posing as a boy, the ban quickly became known as the Tubby Rule. It wasn't until 1964, under the pressure of class action lawsuits and a superior court ruling, that officials relented and allowed a girl, nine-year-old New Jersey native Elizabeth Osder, to play Little League Baseball. Later that year, President Lyndon Baines Johnson signed a bill that amended the language of the Little League's charter by changing boys to young people and eliminating manhood from the charter's set of values. My granddaughter Adrian is eligible to play Little League Baseball, but that's only the beginning of a long and challenging road for any girl who dreams of becoming the first woman to play Major League Baseball. Adrian and other girls can take heart, however, from the pioneering efforts of Isla Borders, who was born a decade after girls won the right to play in the Little League. Isla Borders became an outstanding Little League pitcher and went on to star on her high school team. She became the first female to play college baseball after she accepted a scholarship offer from Southern California College. When she made her collegiate debut, the event was covered by Sports Illustrated and the Sporting News. She gave up only five hits and pitched a complete game on the way to a 12-1 victory. Isla Borders didn't make it to the major leagues, but after college, she did sign a professional contract with the St. Paul Saints of the Independent Northern League. On July 24, 1998, she became the first woman to win a professional baseball game when she pitched six scoreless innings in a 3-1 victory over the Sioux Falls Canaries. She accomplished so many firsts in baseball history that Sports Illustrated named her one of its top 100 female athletes of the 20th century. Isla Borders believed that someday, a young girl who loves to play baseball will make it all the way from the little league to the big leagues. I'm not saying my granddaughter Adrian will be that girl, but she does live in Charleston, South Carolina, where Mike Vick, son of Hall of Famer Bill Vick, owns and runs the Yankees' Class A River Dogs. Mike Vick was the one who signed Isla Borders to her professional contract, so a few years from now, my wife Anita may be telling Mike, have I got a ball player for you? This is Pete Peterson for Reading Baseball.